Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, and thanks for joining me, Tracy Ann Oberman, as we once more head into the dark corners of the underbelly of the internet. It's not the nicest place to go, I guess, but we do go there with some interesting and funny people. This week, I'm joined by a journalist and a filmmaker who um, came on my horizon because his name kept cropping up and his tweets kept cropping up. And quite a few journalists like Suzanne Moore kept telling me that they loved this guy. And the more I looked into what he was saying, he'd obviously walked the walk, he'd obviously lived the life, and he knew what he was talking about. Nothing more fantastic on Twitter than somebody that knows their subject matter. He is called Oz Katerji. 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 There you go. And rather than me tell you about him, he's going to tell you a little bit, he's going to explain how he fits into this podcast. Tell Hello. us about you. Hello, my well, love. Well, I'm very, very pleased to be here. Thanks for having me, Tracy. Um... <laughs> You know, I've spent the last ten years as a as a sort of struggling journalist um, who never really had any door doors opened for me. So I'm one of the kind of new generation who who managed to use Twitter as a platform. You know, I didn't get hired by a newspaper as a young columnist to, to build my name or or anything like that. So I, I've had to use Twitter the same way. You know. 20 years ago I would I would use a newspaper column so it's sort of uh yeah I've managed to create a a, a platform for myself on it and um yeah I guess I guess that's how I, I managed to, to is spread my name. Is that what got name. you on it was that why did you come on Twitter? I started an internship in a newspaper in 2009 and uh you know the whole kind of idea about blogging or, or social media you know I used social media religiously at that age most millennials do you know I was a MySpace kid and then Facebook uni and and, and yada yada yada, but uh, the idea of of putting just words out there on Twitter seemed really alien to me and I I, I signed up in two thousand nine but I didn't really get going on the platform till I uh, till I till probably about two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen then I started it using using it more religiously and um, yeah you know it's it's sort of it, it, it's a it's a platform that's full of really horrible people but it's also made it's the only kind of main conduit for me to talk to but you've in my opinion you've really impacted because you're how come you know so much about the subjects that you talk about which is the middle east which is uh syria you know so much about it so um my my father uh came to britain as a as a lebanese refugee from the lebanese civil war um and he met my mum out in lebanon actually who's british she's a she was a Red Cross nurse, 
and uh, and they were they were working together to help Palestinian refugees in uh, Sabra and Shatila Palestinian refugee camps in Lebanon. Um, they fell in love, and and you know then me and my sister were born from that. Uh, so, Over there. Uh, no, born born and oh, raised yes, yes. here in 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 the UK. But obviously, given my mother and father both, you know, worked in a war zone. My dad is from what a former war zone. Um, you know, it, I was always connected to to conflict in the Middle East, and uh, you know, I was my sister and I both grew up in a very political household. So there was never really a a chance for me to not. Mm-hmm. end up on the path I mean my my sister's a nurse um you know she's worked in Iraq and and Palestine as well so uh yeah the the the, the kind of uh, it was my life really from from a small from childhood to now is to be geared towards politics and you know some people grow up wanting to be footballers or astronauts or, or I mean I wanted to be an astronaut for a brief period of time <laughs> but um you know, from about the age of eight, nine, I, I kind of being a war journalist was was all I ever really wanted really? to do. So it was a childhood dream of mine. It helped that on my mother's side, she has a brother who um, who worked for the BBC and uh, he did some war journalism when I was a child. So I would watch my uncle on BBC News, um, you know, just sort of in awe, like, <laughs> oh, I, I wish I, I wish I could do that. Well, so, did you remember the things he covered? The yeah, he covered Lebanon. Did you? Lebanese so Civil War. So it wasn't. It was. It was beyond. It was you know in the in the mid nineties that, right. that that we're talking here. So so after the kind of um, Israeli invasion mm. uh, of Lebanon, um, yeah. So it's it's sort of uh, yeah. It was kind of always my my life goal to end up. Here and um, in the last few years, you know, I've been on the ground covering Syria. I've been on the ground uh, in Iraq covering the battle against ISIS. I've uh, I've been to the Gaza Strip. I covered the Turkish coup d'etat. I covered violence in northern Lebanon. You know, I've been across the Middle East now and, and I've spent you know, the best part of a decade just focusing on that. And... Uh, you and know, that's the thing, though, Oz, is that you've actually been there. You've been there on the ground. Yes. Did you cover Kobane? Uh no, I didn't cover Kobani. Not from inside Kobani. Right. Uh, I I covered. I did cover it from the border areas, okay. but I, I didn't actually go in myself, which is unfortunate. Because uh, but... I found at the time, I remember being aware of that very early doors and being amazed that no, it wasn't a bigger story than it was. And I, was that because journalists couldn't get in? Um, no, actually, journalists could get in. Uh, the issue was after the uh, ISIS executions. Um, it started becoming very difficult for freelance journalists to operate um, because to get in, you need insurance and yada, yada, which is really prohibitively expensive. Right. Already the, the amount of money that you pay your fixer and your, your insurer and, and, and it is more than you'd be able to make back by selling footage or, or you know work from inside the area. Um, and also then employers stopped paying people um, to go into places. They would say, you know, oh, I'm going to go into Syria. Sorry, we can't accept anything from you. Because it, it would be seen, uh, if anything happens, that the employer is culpable or responsible for your safety, you know, in those areas. So even if you are freelance. So things became very difficult to to self uh, your material, uh, your content, um, as a freelance journalist and became very, very much more dangerous than it had been because you don't have the protections that you used to have 
Um, so, so I, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I haven't had very much money in the last few years. I've, I've, I, as I said, I, I've had, I've struggled in my career, so I haven't been able to go and self finance and and just go places like like I hope to be able to do. Now. So when you get sent into Gaza, yes. was that something you did yourself? Uh, Gaza, I was uh, I was working for TRT uh, World, that's the Turkish state broadcaster, who themselves have problematic issues. I, I don't think I would ever 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 work for them again. Um, but uh, yeah, again, the ability. Look, the money that it costs to to cover something like that is it's no yeah. mean feat. You know, it co- it costs a lot of money to to be able to go places and and uh, and afford the equipment. You know, I had a drone, mm. I have a bulletproof jacket, I have a wow. bulletproof helmet, uh, expensive camera equipment. All of this stuff it costs a lot of money. And, and who looks no after you in these pretty lawless areas? Actually, in Gaza, I was on my own. Uh, I had my fixer, so it was just me and me and my fixer rolling around. Um, and yeah, it was pretty good. I, I actually like working in small teams better than uh, than large teams. See, in Mosul, I was in a team of about maybe fifteen people. Who were you working for with most? Uh, also, again, again yeah. Amazing. So, um, but but in Gaza it was just me, me and my camera. But so. I think that's what's so impressive about you. And what? Okay, so this this series is called Trolled, and it's about being trolled. In your definition of a of a of a troll on social media, particularly Twitter, what would your definition be? Hmm. You know, I I think the broader definition of troll is someone who's trying to uh, get a reaction from you without any kind of you know, my initial understanding of the word troll is that that it, the people like like practical jokers, the people that are doing things for their own entertainment. However, we've moved into a different kind of atmosphere now, um, in that people that are doing this kind of trolling, as it were, aren't just trying to you know. I have friends that that would you know troll other people like they, you could you troll right wing pundits like Toby Young or whatever by you know taking his tweet and then and mocking something he says and, and trying to wind him up that that's trolling as it were but we've moved past that into a place where there's some very nasty bullying and targeted harassment and I think sometimes that stuff falls under the category of trolling and um, and I think it's important to, to separate and distinguish between what we traditionally understood trolling to mean um, and what kind of what a troll is seen as you know the word has has changed I meaning totally over time you. you know you so. know back in the day if somebody uh, if somebody had a go at you you could just press you know block yeah. and the, the, and the, the problem now is that you get dogpiled people are working in movements people are working to um to get enough retweets going that they can start trending the thing as well about you is having been in gaza mosul you've been on the ground is how many tweeters i've noticed i would call them trolls tell you that you don't know what you're talking about yeah i mean you know these are people. Firstly, I, I speak fluent Arabic. You know, I'm I'm Middle Eastern. These are these are topics that I don't just kind of dip in dip in and out of. You know, what you see, my output on on Twitter, uh, often my opinion, um, isn't my work. You know, you don't see the the studying that I do. You don't see the the talking to people on the ground. You don't see the work that I do on the ground. You know, I'm a I'm a bona fide journalist. I work day in day out, twelve hour, fourteen hour shifts, whatever. You know just doing journalism. So I think it's very easy to kind of look at my Twitter uh, work and then say, well, that, that's what he does. He's just a, a, a blogger or whatever, when really I, I have a whole career outside of it. Absolutely. And, tw- and Twitter is what I use to kind of boost that career, yes. as it were. And yes, I, 
it, there's a lot of Western entitlement um, about the Middle East, not about everywhere in the world, let's be fair. But, you know, especially being a Middle Easterner and talking about the Middle East, you get a lot of people who have no understanding of the language, no understanding of the culture, no understanding of the region, explain to you what's going on in your country or your or your region of the world because of some blog they've written by some asshole somewhere. Um and you know this is this is the same all over the world unfortunately but uh, it's, but it's on this particularly particular... heightened on the middle east everyone everyone has an opinion on the middle east and you don't need to know a damn thing about the middle east to be able to get a uh, uh, publish an, art, an an article an op-ed in the guardian or whatever and you know if you are a mainstream left-wing voice you you can be given an opinion on the middle east or a right-wing voice let's be fair uh, even though you don't happen, happen to have a clue what you're talking about and this happens day in day out and these people have much larger platforms mm-hmm. than than people like myself do. And I suppose, how did I fall into your kind of, uh, you know, how did you noti- notice me <laughs> yeah. was because I had fucking enough of that. And, and I broke ranks with many journalists who just kind of use Twitter to tweet their articles and then walk away. I just I just had enough. And, and I just started arguing back with people that would publish things they didn't understand and then just walk away from yeah. you know they make they make a, a blanket statement which is wrong which spreads disinformation and then they just walk away from it as in right great next column next week now without ever caring what the impact of those words are and how you know how that impacts people how that impacts the political debate around something like syria in this country around refugees around uh, Israel Palestine around you know if people don't know their facts and they just publish opinion and then they aren't held accountable for those things then the you, you see the impact in 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 the kind of narratives and attitudes you get from other people online that follow these people exactly the narrative becomes completely restricted and that's why and i hope you do get picked up by the mainstream media because they we need voices like yours that will burst people's echo chambers because i think that i've you know i'll sometimes watch and chip in with what you're saying but you know I've noticed that what happened with me with trolls is it was about silencing a voice that they actually didn't want to hear. Yes. And they'll do that a lot through misogyny and anti-Semitism. But it's it's nasty. But with you, you're male, you're young, you're vocal, you're clever, and you've been there. Mm. And they're still trying to silence well, you and they, discredit they, your voice. They can't silence me. They they try and discredit me and then and then they try and, you know, shut me down more than, you know, they don't engage, they block me, you know, uh, which is, I'm, I'm blocked by a lot of people. And, and it's not like I'm... <laughs> Let's be fair. I can swear occasionally, but I'm not particularly vicious or no, nasty. No, I'm, I'm. I, I will see something that someone says which is wrong, and you know, if we if we want to do this, let, let, let's name names. Let, let let's say people that 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 are, are close to the the Cor- Corbyn's leadership. People like Aaron Bastani, um, uh, people from Novara. Uh, you know, Guardian columnists. Um, Seamus. <laughs> Seamus uh, is kind of the the kind of. Yeah. You know, shadowy figure in the background now, who 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 deals with Labour's comms. Mm. So he he's not dealing with with day to day writing articles like he used to be. But Seamus has the same views that he always has had. Uh, but again, they will they will they will publish something which is rubbish. They will publish or retweet or or, or boost uh, war crimes deniers, people that deny um, crimes that I've studied, crimes that I've covered. You know, so. The biggest ones being chemical weapons uh, attacks in Syria, um, you know, then retweeting 
you know, someone like Craig Murray, who's just a conspiracy theorist, a lunatic, who who, who says, oh, maybe it was so-and-so that did it, with no evidence, no understanding of the case, publishing falsehood after falsehood after falsehood. So let's and say then, we can't say names for legal reasons, fine. but we could okay. say Navarro, so a journalist from Navarro say that. So yes, okay. From- so, you know, you look at... Um, for example, one one of the biggest issues has been uh, in, in Syria has been um, chemical weapons attacks. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time to explain this because mm. this is this is this is quite a, a big one, and it's to understand why why it works this way. When we start with something like Syria, the idea of intervention in a foreign conflict. The idea of intervention in a foreign conflict is one that is very unattractive to the left considering what happened in Iraq. Iraq, the issue there is Iraq was never an intervention. It was an invasion. It was the, There's a big difference between the two. Iraq wasn't currently going through, you know, a, 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 a civil war and, and, and civilians didn't require civilian protection measures at that time. You know, when, we, when you're talking about Halabja and things like that, very, very possibly they, they did. They needed a no-fly zone and so on. But... The 2003 invasion wasn't about civilian protection measures. That's very clear to everyone. But the legacy of that has meant that any foreign involvement in any conflict is now is now Iraq. What about Iraq? You know, and and we see this with attitudes about Libya, in which the UN Security Council mandated a no-fly zone to protect civilians from Gaddafi after Gaddafi went on TV and said he was going to go house to house executing people for daring to stand up to him. So, you know, the UN Security Council came together and mandated a a no-fly zone. So, and the idea with Syria has always been, well, if the Security Council do it, then, then, you know, we we should get involved if the Security Council do it. But the same people that say that about Syria are the same people that said we should never have got involved in Libya, despite the fact that it was UN Security Council mandated. The issue is they don't want intervention ever, not under any circumstances, because they don't ever believe that it, that can, it can have any positive role. That's not, you know, and, and, and that ignores the fact that, that you know, there were, was intervention in the Balkans to prevent genocide. You know, we have a history of, of doing it successfully, and we have a history of doing it badly. But, but to move forward as a society, you can't, constantly live in fear of um, repeating the exact same mistakes. And especially if you're not even applying the lessons that we learned. Iraq is not Syria. It's never been Syria. There are very, very different cases. And, and talking about what happened in 2003 doesn't help understand what's happening today in 2019. Now we understand chemical weapons attacks. Uh, from the very, I don't think there's anyone who would who would uh, in the mainstream kind of political sphere in the UK that would ever you know justify or legitimize the use of chemical weapons? They're seen as being so barbaric that actually even even people that are heavily against intervention can concede there might be a legitimate reason for military response to chemical weapons use, which is why it leads to conspiracism. Because as soon as you acknowledge that Bashar al-Assad uses sarin mm. to murder children you have to start conceding ground politically to people that think something must be done in Syria. <laughs> so the very, act of ad- the very act of admitting the truth of what happened in Syria 
means you end up having to agree with doing you, something you to give intervene. Or, or the way that some in the left see it means you give sucker to the interventionist argument. Um, same thing that happened with the Skripal poisoning. By acknowledging Russia's role in it, even by acknowledging it, you legitimise diplomatic or, or, or whatever response to Russia's aggression. Even by doing that, you're conceding that the, that the, this conservative government would be right to respond negatively to a nuclear armed power or, or, or you know it's it, it's a very complicated situation to be in but that's why it breeds conspiracism because if you are completely and utterly opposed to british military or or, or heavy diplomatic involvement in foreign policy issues then giving or providing a legitimate reason for that involvement become something that you don't want to do under any circumstances. So you're much more likely to believe that, you know, and this kind of conspiracism, it it doesn't happen when Britain is seen as the aggressor. Yeah. Right. So in Syria, Assad has killed nine, 95% of civilian deaths have been resp responsible. Uh, the Assad regime is responsible for them. But you still see people who claim to care about Middle Eastern lives, you know, denying hospital bombing, denying Assad, uses chemical weapons, denying... Because as soon as you do that, you open up a whole can of worms of, of what can and should we do about it. But when it comes to Yemen, when a, when, a, when a school bus is bombed by the Saudi coalition in Yemen, it's immediate condemnation. You don't start calling for investigations. I, I've, I've never seen so... so, so uh, certain Guardian journalists or, or Navarro yes, journalists yes. look at a bus bombing school bus bombing in Yemen and turn around and say well before I have any opinion we need the investigation actually I'm hearing reports that it was the rebels that bombed their own bus and a false flag you never hear this rhetoric around Yemen What would happen if you got a comedian in a room, you open their Amazon account, and you look back at everything they've ever bought on that website? Well, this. Because I was consuming so much peanut butter, I decided to try and get a powdered oh, version that wow. wasn't as fattening. Uh, your handwriting can change your life. I regret this book. <laughs> I regret this book. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly novelty keyring yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love yes. that. I do have that on my fridge. Four pounds you spent on that. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster, available now from Great Big Al. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The trolling thing, which I find fascinating, is very few of the people that will approach you um, know anything about the subject. Right. So they'll read their, you know, their... Or their, they'll have been misinformed Or by they'll some be 140 block. tweet, you know, 140 yeah. word character, their entire information, and yet they're obsessive. Let's say about, um, you know, about the Palestinians. And, and they'll just retweet endlessly, endlessly, and they'll tell me, and I'm sure with you, that the things that you've seen with your own eyes yeah. are not true. Yeah. How, and, and that... You know that this this happens to people that are being bullied the world over. Their own truths are not their reality anymore. How do you deal with that? I mean, it's very it's very difficult because these conspiracists, some of them, feel in, empowered by what they see as as a, as, a, as a false reality existing. You know, they see people that report on these crimes as being paid to do so. By you know shadowy figures that are trying to you know so and, and I saw Marlon Solomon's show the other day a conspiracy uh, theory at uh, Lizard's Tale, and he talked about how you know it's like being part of a club you know if you if you if you see the world existing in these parameters mm-hmm. and, and you see um, you know you think that there's a grand conspiracy to fool people you feel strengthened emboldened empowered like you have the knowledge to to liberate people from from their false consciousness so i think i can understand the mentality that some of them genuinely believe that they're doing they're fighting for the the side of good but how does it how do you how do you cope with it when you get told you're a shill because i I mean i don't know what you're you know i've never seen you considering you are in gaza you were in gaza look i think with it with a situation like palestine is is that I, I I draw a line between caring for Palestinian people and and falling into rhetoric that that demonizes Jewish people, um, and I don't think it's even that thin a line. But I think Western anti-Zionism often bleeds into anti-Semitism because the tropes can be shared. You can replace you can replace. Um, the word Jew for Zionist and then and then get away with something because you're not talking about Jews, you're talking about Zionists, even though what you're saying is complete claptrap. Um, my opinion of, what, of what's happening in Gaza is, it's, it's, it's horrifying what's happening in Gaza. Um, I think that it's inexcusable. I think it's it's a crime against humanity. I, I don't mince my words on, mm. on Israel's um, occupation of the Palestinian uh, territories, I, I, I never do, and I, and I never have. But I, what I don't accept is, is my politics on Palestine uh, ever excusing or, 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 you know, enabling people to have or, or get away with anti-Semitic rhetoric. Um, and I, I look. And yet, on the back of that very measured response. Yes. You seem to get a lot of people calling you uh, a Zio shill. Yeah, that's the Mossad. weird thing. It's that I, I don't identify as a Zionist. No. I, 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 I would never call myself that. Um, I, I, for me, I'm, I care 
what I, the biggest issue for me in in in, in that situation is is the disenfranchisement and occupation of the Palestinians. My biggest focus is is trying to 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 win civil rights for Palestinians. Uh, so 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 I've never ever you know I don't I don't go around making arguments the case for Israel or or, or anything like that. So I don't even the only reason I'm ever targeted. In fact, the first the first time I ever got targeted as, and called a Zionist was because I was talking about Syria, because I was speaking out for the Syrian people, and because I was doing that, that was seen as being in Israel's interests. Oh my and, God! And, and and then therefore I was a Zionist. But actually, in reality, Netanyahu's position on Syria has helped strengthen Assad in in parts. So explain. So. I mean, I'm no. I'm not now, I mean, look, this is this is a more complicated. There, there was an interesting article in Haaretz the other day, a day about it. In, in that, Netanyahu has never really seen Assad as as a, as a as big an enemy as he does maybe say Iran. You know, Assad and his father before him haven't actually fired a bullet in anger towards Israel in in many many years. You know, it's kind of Netanyahu doesn't really give that much of a crap about suffering Syrians on, on on his border, as long as it's not affecting the direct border area in the Golan. What 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 Netanyahu cares about is 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 the is is the Israeli side of things. And he cares more about that than anything else. Uh so no matter what what that impact that has, including saying, well, you know, Assad's the least worse option for our security, you know he's not the only person or uh, leader in the Middle East that has this kind of attitude you know the saudis well i mean look that the, the saudis have made that kind of uh, the uae have made that kind of uh, qatar uh, qatar less so qatar are more interested in in their relationship with iran uh, but they still foster links with quite hardline opposition groups within syria i mean look it's a mess it's a, it's a, it it's is not, a mess. there's not like it's not like a, a good guys and a bad guys it's not like there's a uh, when we're talking about leaders as it were rather than it's why I never fall into that trap. Sure. I never, I don't promote any leader over another. What I care about is civilians and protecting civilians who can't protect themselves. That's all that matters. And that's to me, what so. you, I think, that's what you get trolled for because you will. They thought, in my observation of seeing how it played out with you on social media, they thought you were a voice that would align with them. And when you said no, I'm going down my own path because that's what I want to talk about. You know, I've got a broad peripheral vision. I've been there. I've walked the walk. It was almost like nobody trusted you because you weren't going right. You know, you weren't black or white. Would you say that's true? That the the nuance that you bring. Uh, yeah, you know, look, it's uh, the, the the problem is when you deal with politics, is it, it is it is nuanced. I mean, look, you you get the same people who are, can understand nuance in, in other situations, not being able to understand it here. You get people arguing that look, Brexit. Yes, Brexit was voted for by many people that are racist, and they have they hold racist views because they've been abandoned by austerity you know they've been abandoned by the government so so look i'm not excusing it but i'm saying i can understand why these people have racist views because yada 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 and to help them we need to give them brexit and we need to get rid of austerity and, and yada yada they don't use these attitudes to ever kind of understand why if you've lived under a four or five decades of dictatorship you know and you're a working class or impoverished syrian from a Sunni background, you might fall into a, a cycle of extremism 
in the middle of a civil war that's been raging for eight years. You know what I mean? So so it's like they look for for perfection from Syrians. Well, Syrian civilians are getting a rough time, but but you know, it's either Assad or the terrorists. It's kind of the yeah. you know decision they make in their head. The same people don't make those calls when it comes to uh, Palestinians. Palestinians also have extremist groups within them, but that doesn't mean that they go, well, actually, maybe Israel should just stay in charge because, you know, if if not Palestinian, you know, that's the argument you get from the Israeli right. The argument you get from the Israeli right about why Palestinians shouldn't be given the vote or, or freedom um, is very similar to the, the argument you hear from the Western left about Syria and why they should, you know, Syrians shouldn't be given freedom because they're extremists, they'll kill everyone, they're Muslims, you know, it's the same rhetoric. Um, and it, it, having covered all of these conflicts, it, it was very easy for me to start seeing these tropes being shared between. Here's an interesting one. The white helmets who are often, who are a, a group of uh, medical volunteers who pull uh, people out of rubble uh, from buildings bombed by the Assad regime. That's their, that's their largest purpose in Syria. Now, the Western left started targeting the White Helmets after the Russian invasion of Syria. The Russians started bombing White Helmets ambulances and, and, and hospitals and, and so on. And instead of going, this is awful, medics are being killed, the Western left started going, well, are they really medics or are they actually Al-Qaeda? Actually, they're, they're terrorists, so these, amb these ambulances are, 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 you know, it's fine to bomb these ambulances, right? That, that, attitude would never ever ever be permitted in in any other conflict but that dehumanization is seen as as acceptable uh by the left on on syria the equivocation of you know and whether or not people do it themselves uh they they are happy to engage with people that do what's the worst things that have been thrown at you by trolls on on twitter social media I get people um, going through my social media, taking photos of my family, um, you know, putting them on on the internet, um, taking photos of, of of my you know my romantic partner partner, putting them on the internet. I get people um, miscategorizing my my. I, one of the the common tropes around me at the moment is calling me homophobe, um, despite the fact that I'm openly LGBT. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, they call me a homophobe because of one comment I made about, uh, I'm going to name who it was, uh, about Glenn Greenwald uh, from The Intercept. Um, I am not a fan of his work. Uh, and in a conversation, someone said to me something and I responded with, Glenn should have stuck to gay porn. That's not a homophobic comment. Glenn used to run a gay porn company called Harry Jocks. So I don't know who Glenn Greenwald is. Well, he's a, look. He, it, it, I, it's, not, it's neither it's here nor, nor there. I like to think my, of him my criticism it was was you know about I, his it was, job. It, it was it was saying that he as a as a as a journalist as it were, I don't respect his work, <laughs> and that I think he was better off sticking to his previous job, which was running a gay porn company. That wasn't a homophobic comment. I was being very serious about that. But again, that's the one thing that needs to be screenshotted and then used. And I, I, I've seen it with you. You know, you were trying to have a, a, a conversation with a, with a young girl who who had belie beliefs that I don't agree with at all. Um, and and people started jumping on that and saying that you're a paedophile or you're, you know, that, that that's what they do. They, they want to 
enrage you and and misrepresent you and discredit you. And um, yeah, no, totally. I criticised Netanyahu the other day about talking about appeasing the right. The next thing I know, you know, you know, I'm a Nazi. I'm a right winger. Yes. I'm a Zio. I'm a tax evader. All the crap that yes. we get, and then all the misogyny. But how does it make you feel when you get this? doxing and a doxing is when people try and out your pri- private yes. life on social media well i mean look it's it's hard it's hard it's harder to dox me because i i'm i you know I, know I i know who i people know who i am um it, what bothers me is anonymous accounts you know saying things that aren't true it, it what bothers me is the racism i can handle people calling me an idiot or whatever you know i actually find it quite funny people hating me it's it, it's really doesn't bother me at all um, what I what I what I really hate is the racism. Mm. Uh, when people call me a, a jihadist or a terrorist or or you know, I mean it's just it's just beyond belief to to hear these things. When and is that coming from the right or just no, anyone? It, mostly, it's coming from the left. Lovely, Most of yeah. the Islamophobic abuse I get is from the left. Now I do get it from the far right, um, especially in the wake of terrorist attacks, where I will I will make an. I will make an effort to to express solidarity and sympathy with the victims, and I will I will condemn extremism. Not that I feel like I'm compelled to, but because I'm horrified by what's happened, and I want people to know that these people don't represent me or my community as a British Muslim, and they never will. And and that's when I will have the far right troll me and say, "Get out of our country," you know, whatever. But the most part is when I talk about Syria and stuff like that. I get People calling me a terrorist because I think that Syrians should live in a democracy. That, 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 that's the long and short of it. There's the, you know, I never, I never make any justification for extremism. I think extremism needs to be purged from the earth. Um, uh, and and but still, it doesn't it doesn't matter because I, the biggest thing is because I I speak out in support of the white helmets. I will get told that I'm a, I'm I'm Al Qaeda. And that, and not only that, I'm Al Qaeda in a grand conspiracy with Israel and and you know lizard people and and whatever to to you know it's just it's just utter. How do you deal with trolls? Do you block them or do you engage? I do the thing where I will respond and then block, so they can't respond back. But people can see from the thread that that I'm not backing down. That I'm not going to just sit there and tolerate this stuff. I am gonna I am gonna throw the last punch at least. Um, You've inspired me on that because I followed you a long time before I started to speak out and I loved the way that you you were informed but you would always come back. There's a certain journalist, let's say male or female, from Navarra who I noticed doesn't have the same knowledge that you do. No. I don't think is Muslim, apparently doesn't uh, identify as Muslim anymore. Uh, And... um, and you and he, you know, you'll challenge him, won't you, on things? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, let, let, let's be fair. I've been, I've been blocked by 85, 90% of, of Novara contributors now. Um, Why is be- that? Because they, they say ignorant things. They, they say ignorant things. They, they signal boost conspiracists and racists. Um, and they don't have any accountability for it what, whatsoever. They don't feel, you know, that they... That they they, they, their whole shtick is is purity. Absolutely, is being morally righteous and pure and everything, 
and you can't trust a Tory and you can't trust a Lib Dem because of austerity and whatever, whatever. But here, listen to this anti-Semite blame everything on the Jews. That's fine. You know, and I don't have to be accountable for for that kind of rhetoric. I don't have to be accountable for uh, smearing Syrian, regular Syrians as being terrorists, you know, justifying the wholesale slaughter of Syrians by a dictator, you know. So when you will go in and challenge with with knowledge uh, certain of those type of journalists, instead of if they're journalists, surely they should be interested in what you say. Why why does why are they so combative with you? Well, because I I guess I'm combative, but the, it's very easy to turn around and say, well, why would you listen to Oz? You know, he's aggressive. He you know don't don't listen to him. Uh, but but the point is they don't listen to anyone. It's not it's unless not a, it's their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, but even even their own. It, it, as, as soon as as soon as one of their own says something, say about Venezuela, who condemn Maduro or something like that, they'll turn on them and mm. they'll say, "You know, what you're talking about. You know, I'm disappointed in you." Yada yada yada. It, you know, it's 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 a world view. Um, so the idea that that if I was politer with them, that they would listen to me in good faith, it's a lie because there are many Syrians. Syrian refugees living in this country who are beside themselves trying to, to combat this stuff, who, yeah. are, who are trying to get, get hurt, who don't have any, a fraction of the platform that I do. They're not listened to. They're not respected. No one goes, I respect your opinion. As, I disagree with you, but I respect your opinion as a Syrian. Here, I'll have you on our, our podcast to talk about it. You know, you know so again, people, people don't want to listen to me, but I, I, I've just had enough. I'm not willing to let them set the narrative uh, without unopposed. Has being trolled informed your work a bit more? Yes, um, especially on anti-Semitism. You know, anti-Semitism is something that I, I cared about, you know, because I'm an anti-racist. But, exactly. but it's not something that I ever, I ever saw impacting my own life. And, you know, outside of the sphere of Palestine before the Arab Spring, which is most of my attention was focused on Palestine, some of the people that I would rely on for information, now looking back, I, I closed down my critical faculties in, in, in judging their, their words and behavior. And actually Syria let me start seeing that the tropes they were trying to argue against were were being deployed by them. They're constantly talking about the white helmets being terrorists, right? And and the same people that that, that think they are really passionately caring about Palestinians uh, are, are happy to target Syrian medics as being terrorists and justify their slaughter. However, what that leads to is people like Katie Hopkins. I'm going to name her here because she's a far right troll. And, 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 you, know, <laughs> you can bleep out that name if you want. Don't worry. She. <laughs> um, but Katie Hopkins mm. has become a militant anti-white helmet uh, propagandist, justifying Why? That, that, you know, because she she's really, you know, she really likes Russian pro-Kremlin propaganda. She's really into that. So this is so, the horseshoe effect of far right. right yeah, but, but, here, but here's the thing. So they're very, you know, this, this whole anti-white helmet stuff has come massively from certain Western journalists who consider themselves pro-Palestine. Gee. Um, who, who have passed this kind of anti-white helmets justifying their slaughter to the far right. And then Katie Hopkins, about a year ago, uh, during the Gaza protests when, when a, a medic was shot dead, Katie Hopkins turned it around and then started using the justification for killing the white helmets for killing Palestinian medics, 
saying, well, they're, they're Al-Qaeda, they're, you know, the, they're like the white helmets, the Palestinian white helmets. This is the rhetoric that Katie had borrowed from the far left <laughs> and then started using it. Wow. You know, so, and, and I, I push back and I say, this is Islamophobia. It's yep. Islamophobic. It's targeting Muslims. It's smearing all Muslims as being terrorists. It's extremists. It lends into this. It's racism, pure and simple. But the far left refuse to understand that their targeting of the white helmets and the rhetoric used around the white helmets is exactly, exactly the, the same, same as the Islamophobia they pretend to protest when it's used to justify killing Palestinian medics. And there we have political trolling in a nutshell on Twitter because that's exactly it. Well, it, spre it spreads from node to node to node. It, yeah. And, and uh, an astonishing thing to me is seeing how the left always prided itself on, on being pro-immigration but how quick after the, the Brexit vote, you know, the the so-called Labour left turned to British jobs for British workers rhetoric that they would have condemned from Brown, Miliband, etc., you know, several years beforehand. Oz, where can we find, where can people who are listening and myself find out more about you, your writing, your films? You can uh, follow me on Twitter at O-Z-K-A-T-E-R-J-I. Um, yeah, that's mainly where I put my stuff. Um Whenever I write articles, you can find me in the, the New Statesman occasionally. So I post everything up there. And, you know, sometimes I, I lose my patience a bit with the people that target me. So please forgive my uh, my stern words. But there is a purpose in everything that I'm doing. And it's trying to highlight some of the really damaging misinformation that has targeted um different minority, vulnerable minority groups around the world. And that helps you transcend trolling because the mission of what your message is is more important than any personal hurt or slight. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's it's not about me. And, and the only time it ever, it ever bothers me personally is when I'm targeted with racist abuse and people call me a terrorist of some kind because it's just, I'm clearly not a terrorist. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know many mm. LGBT Islamic fundamentalists, to be honest with you. So... Um, yeah, the idea that um, the idea that that people that speak out um, for and in solidarity with the victims of some of the worst atrocities of the twenty first century um, are targeted um, in this way is is really quite despicable. And again, it's very easy for people in the mainstream to go, "Well, it's the far right that do this." Well, the far left are, are culpable for for much of this too. And um, there needs to be a pushback and there needs to be accountability for the things people say on the internet. I'm so delighted you came on because to me you are a much needed and very wise voice um, of, of somebody that's actually been there and I would far rather get my information from you who's been there self-funded to go out on the ground and see these places and atrocities and form your opinion than some bloke who's sitting in Liverpool who's never really been out of the city centre yes. but reads all about it on, I don't know some website yes. uh, your voice it really cuts through so thank you so much for thank coming you. on today for having me on. and I think people should follow you on thank Twitter because you. you're very wise cheers greatbigowl.com My name's Pete Allison. And I'm Dave Cribb, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends. Each week we invite a guest on, ask them to pick their favourite episode of Friends, and then we talk about it in far too much detail. Basically, if you like the show Friends, and you like it when people take things far too seriously, then you might well like this podcast. Search Great Big Owl on your podcast app of choice, and you'll find Friends with Friends right there. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 